Hi, Jimmy here. Welcome to a very special episode of Shoulders of Giants, our third bubble episode. This one is a debrief on the James Bond movie No Time to Die, which took a few months to come out in Australia, which meant that uh, poor old Sheppy was waiting for quite a while to uh, have a good old chat with me about this one. Uh, you join us hot off the press. I'd seen the movie just the night before. We jumped on a Zoom in the morning, and uh, this is that chat. Uh, unfiltered. We um, we had a lot to talk about. We're both big Bond fans. We lived with the franchise for four decades, 25 movies, very, very passionate about it. So this is, spoiler alert, less of a celebratory discussion than we normally have on Shoulders of Giants. We both had uh, a few opinions about this movie here. So um, uh, it is a full spoiler, all elements of the Bond movie discussion. Uh, so just bear that in mind as you're listening to it. But we hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, where to start with it, apart from, you know, lots to unpack, Sheps. In terms of the structure of this, should we go with like a Initial munges. I've got one hot take for you that I'm excited about. I I, I chanced it as a gag with someone else, and they they gave me a few LOL faces. So I'm <laughs> I'm happy with that observation. <laughs> See if you agree. Are you happy to rate your Craigs as part of this as well? I think of we course. have. To. I mean that it doesn't take any preparation. It's very no. very simple. It kind of <laughs> happened at the end of the movie, didn't it? Right? <laughs> as soon as the credits rolled, I was like, yeah, okay, I know exactly where that fits. I can give you an example. I remember sitting in the cinema watching Quantum of Sausage and it's the bit after, it's, it's the chase, is it the beginning, uh, which ends in the hanging upside down and then shooting the nasty man who's working for them, who's like M's bodyguard or whoever. Um, but it's when their Bond is chasing him through the like tunnels underneath like the, the horsey place. And then this like metal gate just closes and blocks Bond. And even in the cinema, even on the first viewing, and even with that film, which is so choppy, 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 cutty, cutty anyway, I thought to myself, there should have been just one shot of the guy who Bond is chasing, like pulling a lever or something to make the door come down. There's like yeah. always someone else hiding around there who's like, you know, like a knickknack, <laughs> just that little thing. Um, and that, and you know, it's that sort of thing that really annoyed me at the time, and it still annoys me now, but much, much less. Um, so you know, things find their place, and you know, my expectations, even if I'm keeping them moderate and realistic, you know, I'm still hoping for the best film it can possibly be. And if it's not, in my opinion, the best film it can possibly be, it always really sucks, and so it takes me a while to sort of accept something for what it is, warts and all, and then just, you know, and so that helps find thing, its place as well. So, so there you go. I think that's a beautiful observation, Sheppy. And I think also this of all the Craigs, I feel needs to breathe a little, like, and I think I will reevaluate it. And I came out very disappointed, spoiler alert, I did. And yeah. I, uh, and and that then immediately started getting quelled, but watched it with G. We'll, we'll go through conditions of watching actually in a second. It'd be interesting too. But like just the bottom line is, came out immediately a bit disappointed, but it has 
although I've found further holes to pick in it, the bits that are good, I have started to really appreciate how good they were. Do you know what I mean? I'm starting to nice. think, okay, yeah. yeah, no fair. That's really cool or whatever. Like, you know, just little moments to come back to me and that. But, um, but yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, Can yeah. I give you my hot take before I forget to say yeah. it and in case you say it first as well? Because <laughs> it's quite... Um, and, and I suppose just one disclaimer for anyone listening, this is a full spoiler discussion, right? So we are going to spoil this movie. We're going to talk about No Time to Die, including some big reveals that they obviously have done so well to keep under lock and key, really, for two years, Sheppy, haven't they, really? Yeah. Um, uh look my big hot take is let me just get my little notes here as well i've written just like about 10 things to definitely make sure i say um the uh my big hot take is it's actually aged really badly for them for two years like <laughs> so what we're saying is at the end bond is exposed to a um a killer virus and immediately decides to give up and not indulge in, you know, perhaps wearing protective clobber or having Zoom calls until Q finds a cure with his <laughs> with his family. He's basically an anti-vaxxer, Sheppy. This is my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a twist. That's another reason they had to leave it and not put it out straight away. It was too controversial. Like, it was meant to come out the month after COVID really kicked off it would have just ended the world. It's like the ultimate meta Bond villain strategy is to release a Bond film that turns people off getting a vaccine and then the world gets wiped out. It's kind of a Drax move, but like on a more personal level. Totally. <laughs> I'll tell you this, um, in terms of him, you know, we, I think it was, it is, it's, I'm sure it's Casino Royale, where he has his blood analysed by a computer and, and they know what he's been poisoned with. So, you know, they could have... But ultimately, I mean, I suppose the, 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 the thing that he had wasn't going to kill him. It just meant he could never touch his son or daughter. I don't even remember if it's a son or daughter. Um, his child. <laughs> his daughter. Um, his daughter. It's like he couldn't touch his daughter and he couldn't touch Madeline. So that was kind of like, oh, well, fuck it. What's the point then? So it wasn't like, they, you know, so yeah, maybe they could have got a cure. You could also argue that he's already been shot fatally, perhaps. In terms of him being shot, you can assume it's fatal. Or at the very least, you know, he's not going to get off the island in time to be saved. And But the main thing why he didn't try to do anything is because, well, what's the point? You've been told within the logic of the film that there is no cure it's for life and so i can't touch these two people so can't do it but you, you raised a sore spot there so i'm just gonna i can't ignore it the thing that annoyed me the most in the whole film is felix dying because it's so pointless and they were obviously like well jeffrey wright's not coming back because this is the last film in this universe so let's just kill felix and that annoyed me more than anything else that whole thing that that really annoys me that they killed Felix. If I have no problem in theory with them killing Felix, but there was no point to it. It was just let's bring Felix back. Well, we're not going to use him again, so let's kill him. So that really annoyed me. 
Um, With that in mind, there's one question I had I really wanted to ask you, though, because maybe one of my favorite moments was the little for your eyes only nod and you may disagree yeah. with that as well as being a nod but i quite liked it it was a of nod the, of course it was a nod going down onto the yeah, yeah that was a, that a was brother. a total that was a total nod uh, of yeah. course it was it was a total for your eyes only moment doesn't mean i like it it was a nod that's not debatable um and i like the idea of him you know i always like bond killing people in cold blood and if pulling a car on top of someone even that was a real quantum of sausage with the gate coming down in that it was a bit clunky, like it could have gone up and like kicked the car or kicked a bit of wood or whatever that is supporting it down. He sort of gets up and kind of does this sort of wobbly thing and that wasn't very good. And also I liked not liking the guy who got killed in mm. that moment who did shoot Felix, but he was a real non-character. Again, there was nothing there. If they, if they had have combined him with Ivan Man, Charles Dance Jr., then that would have been okay. Uh, because again, and speaking of Ivan Man, he's like working for Spectre and then he's working for Mr. Robot Jr. And it's like, all right, but, and they said, oh, well, I guess you switched alliances, but it's only because they're like, they realize at some point, oh, we've still got this guy, but wait a minute, wasn't he working for you know, for Spectre, oh, now he's working for Amimali. Yeah, it's fine. It's like you've got these two villains and yet they're still messing around with, like, their loyalty. And again, it's like, well, what can we do to make this guy special? I don't know, he's got, like, a funny eyeball, okay. And it's like there was nothing there. There was no kind And uh, Rami Malik was an absolute non-character. I'm so glad he wasn't Dr. No. Um, but even without that relief, it's like, there was nothing there. He was no, there was no character at all. He's really bad. But, Why yeah. did he save little Madeline Swan at the beginning? Why and then we're told, ah, oh, he loves her. But it's like, well, why does he love her? It's like none of that. And also, when little Madeline Swan shoots him at the beginning, why does she then drag his supposed corpse outside? Is it because like I want you away from my dead mummy? Either way, it's like you're cool enough to shoot him from under the bed, but did your dad not tell you maybe put one in the head as well? Like, you know, someone like that, of course he's wearing body armor. He's wearing a massive anorak. There's something under there. So, yeah, the film was one of those films that it followed its own logic in that I it's kind of parent logic to a child, like, because I say so. Like, there are no cure to this thing because I say so I love you because I say so all of that was balls and also killing Blofeld but not actually showing it and it's just like they turn around and go oh shit Blofeld's dead that was bullshit yeah yeah but yeah. I did like the concept going back to annoying guy with the few eyes only reference yeah of course that's nice for someone to be there and it makes a reference to like I'm a brother from Langley so that's okay. But again, you know, you don't have to kill Felix for Bond to kill the guy and to have it have meat and weight. And it didn't really have meat and weight, even though, just because that guy had no character anyway. And like I say, I like the fact he was crazy and he kept being like doing those crazy smiles and things. That's fine. That's better than a robot eye. Just like this nut, nutter bloke. That's fine. But again, it's not like he even murdered Felix. 
maybe if he had just like swung his gun around and just shot Felix through the head in this really shocking moment. But it's almost accidental that Felix was shot as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's all balls. Saying that, if you like, I will say that I do like now, even with all of this bubbling to the surface, uh, I, I do prefer it to Skyfall Inspector. That's very interesting to prefer it to Skyfall, Sheppy. I think that's quite I don't like bit. Skyfall. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm relatively alone on this. I know some people who don't like Skyfall as well, but I think generally people love Skyfall. It's like fine, but I really don't. I don't connect with it at all. It looks gorgeous. Uh, and like even the worst Bond films have bits that I really like. I'm not even saying it's one of the worst Bond films. It just doesn't connect with me. And it has a whole bunch of shit that I don't like. Like, oh, it was my plan to be captured. Even more than the train coming down at the right moment. I don't even have a massive problem with that. It's the underground. They come along. It's convenient that it's at that exact second. But they're every few minutes. I don't have a problem with the train coming down. I just have a massive problem with Silver being like, ah, it's like, well, it takes away all of the exciting bit of like when Bond supposedly catches him with the big helicopters coming down and the big triumphant 007 music. And it's like, yay. And it's like, no, I wanted it. It's like, well, it robs any emotional impact of future viewing. It's like the opposite of a good film with a twist where you watch it a second time and you're like, oh, it's even more meaty now. It's like the opposite, because you're watching it going, well, this is all pointless. Silver might as well just like phone up a Bobby and say, I'm here, arrest me, and leave James Bond out of it. Bollocks. So anyway, that's that's my Skyfall review. I think that's fair, Shippy. That whole little sequence is a problem in Skyfall, but I just have... It's, it's just totally subjective, totally about the experience of seeing it, totally about the bubble of the whole thing. And, and there's the, the really good bits in Skyfall for me just totally hold the movie up, you know what I mean? And then all the rubbish can collect to the yes. bottom. Where, um, but I, I, I mean, it's, yeah, oh, crumbs, Sheppy. I loved all that stuff. I, I completely agree with all the points you've made there, man. I um, but can we just cover Bond dying for a second? Because, like, for me, the biggest problem with the whole movie stems from what was assumed maybe this whole Daniel Craig thing around with Danny Boyle, you know, and the speculation yeah. one of them wanting to kill him off in the press, and that you know that you know and that was one of the reasons why they fell out, and Danny Boyle didn't get to deliver this movie. But I, I just. It just sits a bit awkwardly for me. I've told you before, Daniel Craig's the Bond I'd least like to have a beer with in real life, right? You know, and it's true because, like, he's a producer on these. He's in, and they've gone and they they secured Rami Malek at the point of him winning an Oscar, right? He's just hot off bloody Freddie Mercury, and he, so he gets his Oscar. They get that. You're excited. This is going to be a good villain. The Malek screen time is ridiculously low. Like you said, all of his motivations up the spout, as soon as he's killed all the spectre people, I mean, assuming the people that then defect, like he said as well, you know, whatever that mess is. But, but the bottom line is his plan is done, and then there's no... I don't even know what he's doing. But more importantly, Craig is, like, in every bloody frame of this movie. Like, mm. he's just, just all... For two hours, 40 or whatever, you're like, Jesus, man, get over yourself. And then basically, at the very end, <laughs> has this death, which is... 
Exactly. You should say it looks beautiful, but Shepard, this is a character you and I have watched for 25 plus movies. You count never as well, right? Like, I just bloody, I don't know. I felt nothing when he died, basically. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say, I'm so glad you like put the idea in my mind originally that it was on the cards because it might have upset me, not in a oh my god that was so emotionally powerful way but just like like you say like what the fuck so I was kind of ready for it in that respect and yeah I, I you know what even years and years and years ago I had a, maybe at uni I had a conversation about like if you were going to kill Bond in a film how would you do it um, and I have to say it wasn't a million miles off my my thought was which was the way I always saw it was not that he goes down in a blaze of glory and not that he like suddenly gets picked off or something that's very unsatisfying shocking though it would be but I always saw actually and in my mind it was always Brosnan so that locks it down to a certain era of when I had this conversation I saw it basically you're told uh, there's a countdown of course and it's going to be like missiles fired and once the missiles were up it was like the end of the world or something along those lines and there's a self-destruct button that will just blow up all of the rockets before they launch but bombs in the silo or whatever and you and, and the way i saw it was literally just and again it's kind of unsatisfying and they would never have really done this anyway because you need something but i just saw basically the camera is the button's point of view if and the, and the lights all red and flashing and Bond as Brosnan just is walking up to it and he, you know, he does that basically um, into the camera and just goes click and he just knows that when he pushes the button it's just going to instantaneously explode and it just goes clunk, goes to black and then it's credits. Kind of Sopranos before Sopranos I have to say. <laughs> Um, and that's how, and so him being blown up by a lot of missiles, I was like, yeah, okay. So if you're going to do it, then I was always kind of like, well, that's the way to do it. Um, but again, there was no need. I did like all of the Majesty Secret Service stuff and the road and the car, Lazenby's car, he's driving or she's driving at the end. And of course the song, and I believe it's the road where Tracy is shot on that last oh, shot nice. of the film. That's, that's, all, that's nice. all very classy. And it's a lovely last line of the movie. They nailed all yeah. the epilogue stuff. Apart from to say, actually exactly to your point, Sheppy, around the world is at stake. They, they just, I think they just need like one extra scene, just something to acknowledge that Britain basically has nearly declared World War Three. There, Fiennes, Fiennes, I've never actually known. Is it Ray Fiennes? I think it's very funny. Yeah. Did you say famous five? <laughs> I think I said I think I feigned for feigns for a moment. But um, I but he gives it the big one around, like, you know, we're in the wrong airspace, the Russians are on the blower, China's on the blower, whatever, you know, the world's bloody, what's going on? We should have a moment, just a small moment where anonymously Bond saved the world, you know. It's like, it's just acknowledged it's happened. He doesn't get any credit for it, but beyond that little MI6 gathering. But mm. I think it's just, have just breathe for a sec. Do you know what I mean? Just give us just one extra thing. It just actually happened quite, I mean, your one would have been Sopranos, Brutal, like you say, but just yeah. more like, uh, 
I, I still felt the way they teed it up and how epic they went for the movie it just needed like one other thing to breathe it you know maybe even that yeah. mi6 scene starts with them with you know him on the phone old rafe and then, yeah yeah but i, I was yeah i mean so they're going to reboot Sheps, aren't they? We'll get back into the movie in a sec, but just have one I mean, question for you. Like, yeah, yeah. So they'll reboot. What I don't like is they really have their cake and eat it, because I get it. I understand the Craig era can have that five-film bubble, but they fucking brought Judy Dench across from Pierce Brosnan. So, and then I believe, like, I, I, I've been reading a little bit on the internet, but I understand there's some M's in the background as well. You've got your sort of your... Browns and what have you, yeah. And yeah, I just that's where I just get a little bit like so we're led to believe basically Judy Dench was just playing a different M for Pierce Brosnan, and then this is just a yeah. different M for Daniel Craig. And I guess she had a, yeah. a soft spot for Craig and not for Brosnan, so that makes sense. But I yeah, I, I don't she know. did have a soft spot for Brosnan though, mm. but it's a different character. She's just playing it two different M's. Yeah. Nice, okay. Okay, I can just about reconcile that, but uh, you know, but they will reboot the team. It's a shame they've got a good MI6 crew. For my I money, guess, um, but we, you know, yeah, but Paddington, he, he never used to annoy me, but he really does these days, Ben Whitchell. Um, he, he, he really annoys me. Um, and I say that I saw a very English scandal recently with him and Hugh Grant, and it's really good, but it kind of leans into his slightly more annoying side uh, deliberately in that, whereas you, I guess you're meant to like, I assume lots of people really do like his cue, but he's too, I don't know, he, he just annoys me. And I, do, and I tr always try not to dislike a character or a performance in a film, even if I don't like the actor. And for all I know, Ben Whishaw is amazing and a really cool dude. I just don't like his face and I don't like his performance as Q, even though it's basically the same as his performance in A Very English Scandal. So I don't know. Um, so I, I, I won't miss him unless he does a dench and he comes yeah. back as Q again. But I'm assuming they won't do that. I think the killing of Bond for me just means they have to really think about that very hard, how they play that card. Because I guess every Bond up to the end of Brosnan were kind of the same character, weren't they? And then uh, yeah. well, they just were the same character, I guess. But the um, I will say, Chefs, I two LOLs in this movie, genuine ones, given that the cinema experience was just very much just really maybe 10 people scattered around the screen. Um, so I was, I was, I was, it was an audible LOL. So G was a bit embarrassed probably. But That's what one worth. of the L's stands for. <laughs> um, I, uh, the, there was the, just our, our new 007 giving it the uh, double O what? Double O what? Like mm. just kind of just poking just to see what, what the, uh, the new number was going to be. It just made me chuckle. But then nice. also Q with his teapot by accident in the tray really made me laugh. To be honest. <laughs> I me don't laugh. remember that. He's pulling out his gadgets and he goes, he pulls out one drawer and there's just like some teapots and foam and he goes, oh, and I just closes it again. <laughs> oh, really I, maybe I, I must have blinked. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> and it's the sort of thing that probably uh, his cue could could get away with, but not others. But but he should back himself, man. He could get a cure for that thing, I reckon. 
you know, it might take three yeah. years or something, but yeah. Anyway. Let me ask you this. Did you so you months ago at this point were like, I think they're gonna kill him. What led you to that? The Craig ego, Sheppy. The Craig ego and nothing else. I just believed right. well, he thought he was the man that could do it, you know. Right. That's Interesting. it, man. Oh, that there you it. go. It's what you some people say the Harrison Ford Han Solo ego. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair play. Um, because also going back to what you said about Boyle, I absolutely heard, and you know, yes, it was in the tabloids and everything. So, but I did hear back in the day when Boyle left the project that one of the things was he wanted to cast this Polish dude as the villain. Um, and the other thing I heard was that he wanted to kill off Bond. But I don't know if either of those things are true or if Craig wanted to kill off Bond didn't um may i Boyle has a big mouth so i'm sure he's been sitting tight but sooner or later he might speak about what his bond film would have been and maybe yeah. find out a bit more about it Kerry, true detective thingamajig who's he yeah. does a beautiful job but like you said making the yeah. film look beautiful i he um he's come out a little bit i think and he said that you know Boyle's one was going to be closer to a roger moore bond Bit, bit cheekier, oh, and right, uh, yeah, which is interesting, man. I um... I heard an interview with Edgar Wright the other day because it's nice to keep Bond's tone consistent, even though they're not. The Conneries change tone, the Moors change tone massively. It does that classic thing that I'm always talking about, where you get a Bond film and it's small, and the next one's bigger, 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 and, the next one's bigger, and by the increase of size sort of goes the increase of silliness or at the very least sort of caper fun aspect in terms of connery it all reaches ahead with you only live twice and then it snaps back with majesties and then with live and let die and then it grows and then it's moonraker and then technically that's when it should have been a new bond but Moore's like now nah, stick around and God bless him. I'm glad he did. But then it snaps back with fewer eyes only and then it grows again. And then it may, who knows, if Dalton had have done, let's say, five, would they have grown and become not silly because he would never have gone for that, but at least more almost like a caper, who knows, maybe. And then Rosnans were growing and they, you know, and the, so his fifth one theoretically would have snapped back after Die Another Day. And indeed, it did snap back with Casino Royale. But again, obviously, that's with Greg. So that's one thing. But what I heard Edgar Wright say, and it doesn't quite work because Lazenby kind of throws off the, the pattern, And but it's um, Bond is dark chocolate, light chocolate. Like Connery is dark chocolate. Moore is light chocolate. Dalton is dark chocolate. Rosnan is milk chocolate. And then Craig is dark chocolate, so the next one should be milk chocolate again, uh, and that's that works in that sense. So maybe maybe Boyle will come back for that. I mean, I was very excited when Boyle was first announced. Yeah, agreed. He'd bring something quite interesting to it, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, man. Edgar Wright says that he would be interested. If he has a take that he's mentioned to the Broccoli, and. He's a Roger Moore kid, I assume, I think. Um, and I think his would be uh, called the Chocolate Bond. Uh, I would like to see that. I'd like to see a Nick and White one. 
um, a few years ago, before he torpedoed his reputation and career, Joss Whedon said, it, uh, like he was asked if he ever would do a big franchise film again after the Avengers, because he had a bad time on Age of Ultron. And he said, there are certain things he would like to do, like a standalone Star Wars he could see himself doing, or a Bond. And he kind of just threw it away, like the comment. But after he said that, I'm like, oh, fuck me. A Joss Whedon Bond film, you know, even before he revealed himself to be not very nice in real life and everything, like, and he had a lot of detractors, and some might say he's always right, including Buffy, is kind of a bit full of itself and a bit like, oh, meow, meow, meow. And I, I understand that. That's just for style, and that's fine, and it could rub people up the wrong way. But his Bond could would have been wonderful. I, if it, you know, I don't think it was ever considered. I don't know if he ever even mentioned it to anyone, like an agent or something. But I would have loved to have seen that. And I instantly then saw Hiddleston playing his you know, Eden's Bond. Like immediately, that's just it would be an interesting choice. I'm not massively into Hiddleston. I don't really get the Loki love, really, to be honest with you. I remember you said, yeah, I well, just, I'll say yeah. that I, I do like Loki, but even without that, did you see The Night Manager with Hiddleston? Yeah, a few years he was ago? great. He was great. And he again, so I. He was the best thing in that for me. Yeah, but yeah. Well, well, good old Hugh. But yeah, um, yeah. So the thing is, and I'm sure I've said this to you before, but, you know, after Craig's Bond, Craig's Bond, like Con Connery's Bond is often compared to like a panther, like, you know, powerful, sleek cat. Um, and Craig is very much a tank Bond. And so after a tank Bond, you need a Porsche Bond. I guess that's my version of milk chocolate, dark chocolate, but you don't want another tank Bond after Craig. So you don't want Tom Hardy. Yeah, uh, you, which is a shame, man, because he'd be great. He's a chip off the Craig block, um, however. Uh, would he be great? I don't know, maybe. But he's too much like Craig for it to work for me. They need a Porsche Bond. And Hiddleston would be a Porsche Bond. Um, so that, that works. That actually comes back to what uh, James Cameron said when T2 came out, saying like, you know, what could be a good, you know, uh, threat for Arnie? He's like, he's a tank. You don't want to get a bigger tank. You get a Porsche, and he compared T1000 to a Porsche. So that, I'm sure, is where that analogy is coming from. But yeah, that works for me. Someone slick and sleek is what I, I would. Want. I would choose if I if I was cast in Sheppy, I'd definitely have. Um, that man from Downton, Dan Stevens, in the room too. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, and he was good in the game too. And I think there's something yeah. about him where he's just obviously he's famous enough with Downton, but he's not like he's not out there already in the movie land, at least anyway. As as a superstar, it could be quite an interesting choice. Yeah, he's but... But he's a good level. He's dare I say not dissimilar to Brosnan pre-Bond or Craig pre-Bond in terms of his career. Like he's working and he's in lots of good stuff. Uh, he was in that Will Bell thing, uh, the Eurovision song. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was in Legion, and that was very good, playing Patrick Stewart's son. But, well, so X's son. But that's, yeah, 
he yeah after i never saw dalton but after the guest i was like yeah totally totally yeah and he would be porsche porsche so I'm just going to quickly review my list, Sheppy, of bits and bobs to make sure we've covered things. But I really want to get into, I haven't put it down here, but we should talk about the daughter in a minute. It'd be good, I reckon, just because it's an interesting Bond wrinkle to go with. Um, but, and and by the way, like, and we should talk about the things we liked about it too, because I I think, you know, Rafe for me is the MVP, the best MVP, I was going to say, I always say that was bloody pod, but, you know, and Rafe was probably the best thing in it for me. Then her, then Leah Sadu, I thought she was fantastic. And then yeah. and Daniel Craig is good. He's just good, right? He's always going to be good. And um, and and it kind of, he went for it a bit in certain scenes, which is lovely. Um, but I'm left. You always say, like, Chris Nolan leaves you a bit hollow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, generally, you don't necessarily feel... And I feel I feel like a little bit with this one, too. I think, um, you know... And do you believe as well... Oh, gosh, so many bloody questions. But do you believe Vesper really got into his skin like they're saying she did? Like, I mean, yes, she broke him. But I thought he was kind of over it by now. Like, you know, it's a bit like... Um, in on, terms man. of Vesper... Well, they've given Craig's bond two loves of his life. So that's mm. instantly devalues both by having two. Um, you know, unless we find out he also got married to Tracy and just never saw it. And there were three. Um, but other than that, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I buy the Vespa relationship, but maybe that's because I read the book and so even though the book doesn't necessarily sell him falling in love but any better, I, I don't know, you just sort of go along with it more. Also, it doesn't, I mean, perhaps Casino Royale could have lost the first 50 minutes and get him to meet Vesper on the train like 20 minutes in and then, you know, just go into the casino maybe that would make the film slicker. And I say that where, where actually my whole favorite bit in Casino Royale is the bit I'm talking about cutting out, the whole airport, the whole yeah. him on the case, him following the clue and really not knowing what it's leading to. All of that um, is all my favorite stuff in that film. But perhaps the film as an overall structure would work better without it. Because it, by the time Mr. White kills What's-His-Face, Mads Mikkelsen, Le Chief, then you're like, you're kind of ready for the film to be over. But then, of course, it has the whole third act in Venice. And it needs that. But, again, you're kind of like, oh, God, really? It's I mean, yeah. So perhaps, the, you know, the film would work better as a film if it loses my favourite part. <laughs> I okay. I had one of those little quick observations to give you, Sheppy, that I loved. I just got a little cheap thrill from was Bond throwing his tag into the bin on his way out of uh, M's office. It's just a lovely little bowler hat callback as well. Just a really nice what, moment. What's the tag? You know, he's wearing his little, I don't know, whatever they give you. Oh, six. like a visitor pass. Yeah. And as he walks out of the office and he just throws it into the bin right. beautifully, like how many tags? Yeah. How many I hope that? I hope it was real. These days, I always assume something cool like that is CGI, and I shouldn't okay. because I see films from the eighties, nineties, and before 
where stuff happens all the time and it's re a really good stunt or something small like that and I all and I even say a lot of the time to Marta like if this film was made now I would absolutely assume that was fake and was a CGI bit of trickery um, so it makes me really appreciate pre like let's say pre-1995 films where they do that and again it's very unfair to the amount of work Daniel Craig maybe put in to the flick and that was take 7,000. Uh, it's like Scott Pilgrim going back to Edgar Wright there's this amazing shot that really could have been cheated and even without CGI uh, but when Scott throws his parcel over his shoulder and it goes right up and then right back behind him and just in the background goes plop perfectly into the bin and it's real and there's like behind the scenes stuff of him doing it and doing it and doing it Michael Cera until <laughs> it finally happens and everyone loses their shit um, but you know even without CGI that he could throw it it goes out of frame someone could catch it and then someone else over the bin drops it they oh. easily could have done that <laughs> um, so anyway um, yeah that is nice that's why Edgar should get the Bond gig <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll go like two years over schedule because it'll be filled with loads of cool little bits like that. So we're establishing there, just to put a little capper on this, I think you're choosing Hiddleston next, so I'm choosing Stevens next, and we should have just a beer right. on that if if either I think I, you're probably well, more I'm likely not to saying get a beer from they're me. not going to choose Hiddleston. Um I'm not saying they're choosing Hiddleston. I'm just saying I would like Hiddleston. They'll probably choose Tom Hardy. Uh, but I don't want them to. And I would rather they didn't choose anyone who was even, certainly not uh, Hardy level of fame, and even Hiddleston level of fame. Dan Stevens is the most famous I want in terms of level as the next one. And ideally, I would like someone even less well-known and have someone even discovered. You know, Henry Cavill in 2006 was in running for Casino. And I'm glad he didn't, but that, you know, he had been in stuff, but really that would have come out and everyone would have been like, who? Um, and I like that. Um, I, and, you know, speaking of Cavill, when they announced Affleck as Batman opposite Cavill's Superman, I was like, uh, you know, nothing against Affleck, but in fact, I like, I've always liked Affleck, but it's like, I would rather have they had cast a Batman where the actor was the same level of fame as the actor playing Superman. Yeah. You know? um, it, maybe it shouldn't make a difference, but it, of course it does. You, know, you can't escape baggage from an actor. Yeah. Where do you sit on the pre-cred, Sheppy? For me, like I, I, I came out thinking, and I've, it's really growing on me, the pre-cred sequence. I really, I, I really like it, actually. Um, it's obviously got its problems around why she's dragging the body out and all of that kind of thing but the bond bit the bond bit specifically is great really great um and in, in fairness they probably should have just chopped the beginning off put it after the music and then yeah. done it five years later boom you know what i mean that would have been probably worked a bit better but in that just, case it would have to be like a 25 years later boom yeah good shout, of course that. yeah yeah but yeah yeah um I, i'll say this about the pre-cred, I did expect her to die. Um, 
right up until we got her on the train, I expected the train to blow up. And when she does a little touch of her belly, I was like, oh, fuck, she's pregnant. And now the train's going to blow up. And then later, Bond will find out she's pregnant. It's going to go, like, proper. Yeah. Um, but then it was like, Bond's like, and again, this is this is one of those things that will probably soften and I'll accept it like the gate closing in sausage. But when the train leaves and he's like, you'll never see me again. And she's there on the train looking a bit sad. And it's almost sort of from the train's point of view of the platform. And then the credits started, and I was not, uh, you know, so I was waiting for the train to blow up or whatever, or someone else to be in the carriage behind her being like, or something like that, and Bond sees her, claps, and sees some guy like, ah, you know, and he's like, oh, no, and then that's, that's the credit. But even without that, and, you know, my own expectations of what was about to happen, it was the most, un, you know, most Bond pre-credits end with some sort of like pow and then it goes into the thing some sort of like beat be it a comedy follow up please or better make that too or the my favorite is when well one of my favorites is in tomorrow never dies where bond flies the plane and the afterburners shatter the screen and it goes into the title sequence things like that just a beat or a pow or a punch or a yam uh, but it's, and this was just like the train's going, the train's going, the train's going. And then it was like, oh, it's the credits. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought Spectre was bad at that because it has Bond getting in the helicopter, having the fight with the guy, killing the guy, doing this really cool kind of Roger Moore sort of looking around, being really happy with himself, which was nice. And then he looks at the Spectre ring and, and the film... It's a very deliberate choice by Mendes, your friend, but it's like, instead of, you know, it, there's like a really, really long couple of beats where he sort of settles. He's like, right, okay, I'm in the helicopter. I'm going to look at the ring. I'm just going to be like, right, okay, let's, let's go. And then, and then the good thing, it's like, why would you do that? Why not be like, you know, guy's dead, got the ring, pow. Um, but yeah, it's really weird. It's a really weird well, choice. And Fukunawa doubles down on that and goes, oh, I'll, I'll do it even more. So just a couple of things to say, Sheppy, on that then. One, I'll, I'll go in reverse order. On, the, on that stuff, I agree with you, but I think what they're trying to do, and I quite like them doing, honestly, is they do hold on Craig a little bit longer than they have on previous Bonds on stuff like that. They really want him to come across as a sort of a, a competent military man and a guy who like, you know what I mean? And an emotional man as well. And so they just give you these little extra little bits, you know, like, I don't know, for whatever reason, but I think it's quite effective because that's probably the thing I've liked about Craig's Bond the best. Do you know what I mean? Around just, he does feel like he's done service he feel, and he carries himself that way as well. He's a little bit posh. Class-wise, you get it. Like you, exp you kind of understand exactly where he fits. Um, so it's just interesting that. I, but um, but then the other thing, like I totally, I that that it was actually genius to use all the Majesty stuff because it's therefore then a constant tease of expecting her to be dead, isn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah. and I was trying to piece the trailer together on that basis. I kept thinking, right, well, clearly she dies at the beginning when they're off, you know, on their little world. And then, yeah. and then on their little honeymoon or whatever, um, well, not honeymoon, but you know what I mean, the equivalent. Um, but and then, and then maybe 
Dr. No has gone and recreated people. Maybe that's his thing. Like he's able to do that, die another day style or something stupid like that. But um, but no, no. And I like what they've done with it. And I like that she's the last thing we see in the movie. And I like that she has the last line and it's beautifully done. And it's a great, it's a go to lunch last line. It's beautiful. And quickly on that, doing that line then means don't throw away the gag. If you're going to do the gag, do it properly. When he goes into MI6 and says, my name's Bond, James Bond, and the guy just looks at him, like rather than a, yeah. just actually have him hunt for him and not know who he was. And like, make that funny if you're going to do it. Like, they don't do it. Well, it is funny. I do like that bit, actually, because it's like, it gives him a legitimate reason to say his catchphrase, like Bond. The guy's like, any more information? He's like, James Bond. He's like, right, all right, okay, in you go then. Right. Um, I, I like that that's good and it and it made me I didn't LOL but I did titter um, a little bit <laughs> into fair. my fingers uh, so that's all right. Yeah, I say I my favourite line read of Daniel Craig's in the whole freaking movie, my favourite moment by none, and it's pretty much where the movie is peaking, um, is when they're in the car and. The, the, the fellas, including Bionic Eye Man, whose eye is only useful for Bluetooth and, you know, <laughs> video conference calls, um, uh, it's it like basically like firing his gun into the windows and she is freaking panicking. And I love how he's just holding and he just is like internally feeling betrayed again. And his okay when he decides he's going to save it for now is just stunning. I love it. I just gave me, I was just like, whoa, man, that's so cool. Like you have this control and you're playing the one card you have. And I I think it's just really cool. And what I don't mind the train, but I thought it was quite cute and nice how they did the fade into the sequel, into the pre-title. But I did think to myself, like, she's clearly got something to fucking tell you, not just the kid, but, there could be something spy worthy. Like, yeah. no, get on the train, get away, don't care. No, blah, 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 blah. I'm not listening to Swan, but he's still talking. Yeah, yeah, gutted. <laughs> I also like the okay moment because uh, it does the classic thing, which Bond does a lot, uh, and lots of cool heroes do it, where you think they're totally fucked. I mean, you know they're not, but it looks like they're totally fucked. But it's like, no, now I'm going to get out of this situation. We're totally surrounded. The window's about to buckle. Loads of people. And it's like, okay, no, I could have done this the whole time. And it does the, the cool donut and just throws everyone down. That's cool. That, frankly, would have been a good time to kill Eyeball Man. Just like take his legs off with the, with the chain gun. Yeah, I like his death, though. I think it's a good death with the, with yeah. the watch. Yeah, but again, it's like... He's got an eyeball. What came first? You know, was it like we need someone to die in a cool way? Was it like, well, he's a henchman, so we need some sort of gimmick? Oh, we can have his eyeball thing. You know, it was fine. But at that point, I was like, he had no character. Again, if you just combined some of the characters in that film, like Eyeball Man and annoying FBI agent or whoever, CIA guy, killed Felix, if you combine those two, if you combined, frankly, 007, the lady, and what's her face from Knives Out? Because there was no need for Knives Out lady at no, all. She was great. <laughs> well, she was the best thing in the whole film. But again, just combine the characters if it comes to that, because it was like there was no need. It was like, hello, 
I'm going to do this cool thing and you're never going to see me again. And I, it's like, you're only there for this cool scene. And it was an amazing scene. And the character was my favorite character in the film, but there was nothing, nothing Just as there. much as I know that they've, that's the bit they fully disclosed. Phoebe Waller-Bridge really pumped up. Uh, that character was very throwaway until she came in and script doctored it. But the first, like you say, the first thing should have just been make this the 007, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And honestly, I mean, she was throwaway even with the Wall of Bridge because what her character was like, I'm Daffy and I'm three weeks in, but actually I'm not and I'm nails. And that's it. So Wall of Bridge's punch up, I'm assuming, therefore, was that was her being like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But then you find out that's bullshit because she does. So even that was kind of like, mm, yeah. what's the point? There, so there's a lot of that. Oh, I have to say that, uh, you know, the guy who uh, created the toxin and everything, who is working yeah. <laughs> with what's his face and all that, that he had some very clunky dialogue. And I mentioned to you, like, how did certain lines get through? They're so clearly, to me, really weak placeholders in the script that everyone forgot about. And they're like spending so much money and so much care and so much work on shots and sequences and the look of certain just framing for one shot. And yet certain lines, like when he's taken from the building at the beginning and killing what's-his-face and all that, um, and that's that reeks of Waller Bridge. They're like, we've given you chlamydia in your sandwiches or whatever. That's I pure. That I didn't like ah! it. It felt really clunky. <laughs> well, it was it was a bit clunky, but it's like, all right, fine. But then there was the cool magnet thing that I've never seen before, and you escaped down the lift shaft, and that was cool. But then the guy, he's like, magnets. It's like, no need for that. No need for you to tell me. I was like, it was fairly clear. You saw metal floating. You don't need to say magnets. And later, uh, when it, when everyone was dying, he, he said he does another thing like that, being like, everyone who inspector is dying, but no one else. And it's like, yeah, I know. It's like that. It's so clunky exposition. Uh, it's a real um, I'm a Mr. Kill wannabe. And right. Uh, and then his death, it wasn't his line, but it's so shit, it's out of nowhere with no build-up and no setup and no callback. It's just, hey, guess what? You, you know what time it is? Time to die. Boink! And then he gets kicked into the acid. It's like, really stupid. Yeah, they need to say well, it was it was also stupid, but just that particular kiss off line out of nowhere, like rubbish. It, you know, I would accept it if he was like had a gimmick the whole way through. He kept like being like, "What time it is? What time it is? What time it is?" And he's always asking people for the time. That's weak as fuck. But at least it's some sort of setup. Like, hey. You know, I do have the time. Oh, it's time to die. That's bad, but it's better than just out of nowhere. Yeah, completely agree, Shippy. I, I, and the whole party moment in Cuba, I mean, I enjoyed the Cuba sequence. I actually think, you know, in terms of just being along for the ride and just taking it all in, 
I feel like it's after Cuba it starts to wobble for me. Do you know what I mean? But I but ultimately the um the whole party idea. I like the idea. I like the idea of you know it being bloody Blofeld's birthday present to kill Bond in that cool way. Brilliant. Why yeah. not? Very fun. Yeah. But yeah. Safin, like, why would you go to the trouble of like then excluding Bond's DNA? Why don't you just fucking wipe him out too? Because he's probably going to be a problem for the down. I don't. I don't get it. Even like, without that, the way they did that, where the guy just had the different thing hidden in his sock, and he really clunkily, and again, it's all eyeball mass fault, I think. He's there, and he just, and the guy goes, oh, sticky fingers, or whatever, and he bends down, and then he stashes it in his sock, and he goes, here it is. They could have done that in a better way. Like, even off camera, like, he must have changed the DNA sequence or something. You don't need to see this really shit way how he does it. Um, yeah, yeah. So there are certain things like that that I don't think are going to get better with you watch. The other thing as well that immediately, even in the cinema, I'm thinking, oh my god, is just the whole Range Rover chase and um, culminating with Fewer Eyes Only, but just mm. that that it just, it just looked like a Range Rover ever. Like you know what I mean? That's just yeah. kind of it looked beautiful. But you know, yeah. let's make sure we get through some water and like, you know, look at the look well, how do you know? did you did you have the Range Rover advert at the beginning? Because we had oh, really? in our cinema, we had like as featured in No Time to Die, the Range Rover, and it showed them filming that sequence. And then and then they're like Range Rover. So there you go. It was a Range Rover advert, as it turns out. And and as and, you, you know, say, my Bond buddy's and product placement, but still. And that's it. That my buddy Sam has. I've heard him interviewed where he said, "If you don't have that stuff, you don't have the movie." Like that's what yeah. pays for the bloody movie. Well, yeah, I get it, but just Jesus, you know, it's, it's so like in GoldenEye when Bond drives the tank through uh, St. Petersburg, and there's this ginormous van delivering Perrier water in the heart <laughs> of Russia. Yeah, that's weird. And yeah, you know, there's always and Casino Royale, like you know, Rolex Omega, nice. Like, ooh, clunky <laughs> as fuck. Clunky as fuck. And so, then, many like, uh, like, I, so many Heinekens, Sheppy. So many Heinekens. But, yeah, I, and I said to you, didn't on text, like, it was very boozy. And when you rewatch it, you'll notice, like, he's just freaking necking every other shot. <laughs> Greg, and they don't do too much with that, apart from just to say, yeah, he's just become a stone-cold alcoholic. But I do love his uh, his scene with them. When he goes back in and, and M is like, you know, going back to the bottle and he's obviously oh. made a big mistake and the is the desk smaller, is the desk bigger or are you smaller and all that kind of yeah. Rafe, like I say, was brilliant in this. And I, I if they reboot, why doesn't he do a Judy Dench and like be a different version yeah. of the same guy? I'd like that because uh yeah, yeah, he's been he's been a real asset, honestly. He's brought extra gravitas to the whole thing, you know. Um nice. he's a good M. Yeah, he is, isn't he? You know, theoretically, and I'm fairly sure I heard, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but like for GoldenEye, I'm sure Rafe was the name bouncing around, like in consideration. Yeah. Like 1984, Rafe. He'd have been a great guy. Yeah, yeah. He was John Steed, and he was them. So he's, he, oh, and He's kind of John Steve twice because there's that Kingsman film that's been put on ice for ages, but that's oh, out yeah. there. And that's that's him doing that whole thing. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, good old, good old pines, always. I like them very much. So are you telling me as well, Sheppy, in the new era, if you had the choice between a Danny Boyle and Edgar Wright and then someone else, like three one-shot directors, just to mm. give it some flair, which I'd bloody love the idea of, or mm. your one and only chance to have a Chris Nolan trilogy, both mm. with the exact right bonds, the, the, forget the bond for a moment, they cast bond perfectly, but yeah. just your director choice. Would you want the Nolan trilogy or would you want like... No, because like we were saying, like in, ter well, in terms of Nolan, I never connect with his films um, emotionally. Um, I mean, the, the prestige and memento, and that's it. Um, so, you know, Tenet and Inception are the two Bond films that which Nolan has shown Bondiness and elements of Batman Begins. But again, it, I don't trust Nolan to make a Bond film that make, uh, emotionally involves me. So, no, I don't actually want. Um, and to be honest, go on. I was going to say, I think he always fudges the the end as well on those big set pieces. I always lose track of who's who, and you know, Tenet was just I, I bloody lost the plot. I didn't know who the bloody yeah. hell was doing what. You know what I mean? I was okay, cool. You're fighting there, and you know, I sort of right. he doesn't do a brilliant job of setting up the finale. I think. Brilliant set piece guy. I actually am more engaged with Inception than I think you are, but I agree with your point. I Definitely. Just like I mean, I'm not engaged with Inception at all. Mm. But I, I like it. Um, we watched it, you know, after Tenet as well. Um, and to be honest, I was excited for Danny Boyle to see what he could bring to it. And if it's true that it's going to be a bit more Roger, a bit more chocolate, then that's great. But to be perfectly honest, Boyle kind of annoys me quite a lot, so I wouldn't be heartbroken if he never does a bond. Whereas Edgar, yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that. And again, I we watched Baby Driver the other day, and it was the second time I had seen it um, since the cinema, uh, and I like it very much. But it it does have some issues that maybe I was subconsciously aware of the first time, or maybe I was aware of but then forgotten watching it a second time, it's like, yeah, you know, so we, I'm not saying Edgar is perfect. In fact, I love Shaun of the Dead, obviously Space, but Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim. And after that, there's a big drop-off for me personally, including Hot Fuzz. Um, like, you know, it, it does drop considerably, but I would love to see what he does in a Bond film. And if he, you know, has someone else here, the Broccoli's I don't really trust the Watleys, frankly, these days. But even so, there is a hand to guide. It's not like Edgar can just be left to his own devices. Um, but yeah, I would love an Edgar film. And I, I you know, I would like to still like Joss film. Uh, never going to happen now, but I'd no. like that. I, uh, I, I think if Danny Boyle had done a Roger Moore-esque caper, I just don't think Daniel Craig suits that at all. Every time he's tried to do it, it just has come across very, very awkward to watch. I'm just thinking of Spectre with the sofa and, like, you know, yes, even this with the one-liners that are needed most of the time. 
like you said about no time to dive and i can't remember even what he says after the guy with the watch eyeball explosion but it's it's good enough without that right don't need the one line but um but yeah yeah man i think um should we i don't i'm just going to see if we've got any more notes sheppy that i wanted to definitely ask you about or talk about or so i've got eyeball bluetooth good for your eyes tribute I said I put 007 was fun, but all the best bits were on the trailer like with the lady. She was good. It was a good idea. But, you know, um, I put a five-year-old, his daughter biting Safin's hand. Like, <laughs> just really, it comes across really stupidly that moment, I thought. You know, well, just kind of that, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'd forgotten about this. This was something that Marta and I mentioned. Um, so Stafford's got the kid and then he does that stupid table wank, live and let die thing and disappears, but it's not done very well. It could easily be shot. It's a bit of a Jonathan Price in reverse and a million chances to shoot him, but he whoop and disappears with the kid. It's like, okay, then the kid bites him. So he's like, okay, you go then without my protection. Fine, go. So I'm thinking, oh shit, well, the kid, I didn't think the kid was going to die, but the kid is going to run off in this like, crazy dangerous place with the death garden and all of this never made use of the death garden concept anyway and then the kid runs off and you're like oh you know it's going to be explosions and very dangerous things and someone's gonna to have to save this kid then the next scene they're like hey there's a kid hiding under a table come on <laughs> it's like okay it's easy as that is it fine that was bullshit yeah so yeah thank you for reminding me that's another thing that you know I am obviously focusing on all the negatives and I have mentioned things that I do like in that film. There are a lot more things that I do like in that film. And once again, you want my Bond order? Number yes, one, Casino Royale. Yeah. Controversially, but number two is Quantum. Um, I have a lot of time for Quantum. It's flawed as fuck and it's a mess in the edit um, and there are changes that desperately are needed and little rewrites and tweaks and so forth. But ultimately, it's, it's tight. It's, it has some nice little brutal Bond moments. Uh, it's one of the only real Bond sequels. You know, it's, I, I've got a lot of time for Quantum, even though it's probably, it's a three star, but it's you know, barely, really, but it's good enough. I like it. Then there's a, so it's, it's Casino. Then there's a bit of a drop, and then it's Quantum, and there's a, Bit, a lot of a drop, and then I guess it's no time to die. Then it, it's Skyfall, I guess, and then it's Spectre. Um, Interesting. You know, despite, despite all my Skyfall bashing, I do think I prefer it to Spectre um, because I hate Blofeld so much and I hate the um, cuckoo bullshit um, and the fact that I'm not making it related. It's so unnecessary and so stupid, and it is the Austin Powers like Skyfall, the third act is Home Alone, and it is, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. And then they're like, oh, well, people like that. Let's do the Austin Powers, where it turned out that they're brothers. And it's like, why? Oh. How How on earth is that? Did that? So anyway, so that's a big problem. And also, little things like I mentioned about the extra beat that I don't like at the end where he settles down, and it's like an extra 15 seconds in the helicopter and then the thing kicks off and then the titles every single scene inspector you could lose at least 10 seconds and it wouldn't change anything but make it on slicker 
uh, at least 10 seconds, but every single scene, you could lose 10 seconds, if not a minute, if not two minutes. Um, yeah, most Bond films are very rectangular, and that's fine. Octopussy is 17 days long, but I'm okay with that to a certain extent. It, you don't need it all to be streamlined, super slick, but Spectre is just clunky. It's a clunky rectangle, and it's, it doesn't need it. It's like, fucking hell. Just get on with it. It feels longer than No Time to Die. And that's something. No Time to Die is unnecessarily long. But it didn't feel long. I wasn't aware of, of the length. When the film ended, it was the feel here. It was like that didn't feel like a two hour full film. So that's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with that. Uh, look. Five out of the five, Sheppy, for me, it's it's actually a very different order and different vibe to be honest. We're not no. obviously number one, Casino Royale, like five stars. It's one of the best Bond movies, um, in my view, like across the whole canon. So, yeah, in there, five stars, slight drop, Skyfall, four stars in a number two for me, then Quantum, no. probably four stars as well, but just slightly below uh, Skyfall. Then, I mean, it's a drop. It's a drop. I think we go down to two stars for this one. No time to die nice. in at number four. And then I'm going to say like Spectre. Wow. It's like the wow. worst Bond movie. It might be the worst Bond movie at one star. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's great. Let me ask you this. Are there any other Bond films that are close to being one star, if not actually one star for you personally? I'm going to say No. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> always more fun to be had even if it's rubbish right so I, yeah i'm trying to think like this couple like i've said to you before i don't think i've seen diamonds off forever for about 30 years i want to say like you know so i do need to rewatch that one it um, is officially like for a many 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 years it's been my least favorite um and it is one that it says it all i have every bond film up to spectre here on my you know here um apart from diamonds i could get diamonds very easily and in fact we watched diamonds um like i don't know when i got back from china doing bond films to watch diamonds and that was the first time i'd seen diamonds for a very long time really there's not usually more than a couple of years without seeing a bond you know like you know any bond there's not usually more than a couple of years between them um Diamonds, Diamonds is such a weird film. I do ultimately now prefer it to Three Craigs <laughs> in terms of like just fun and enjoyable. Um, don't know if that if it's better, but I can watch it more. I'd rather watch it than at least two of the Craigs. But um, no, it's not a good film. It's not a good film, definitely. Yeah, if we can blow pill shit on that as well. Spent, and Connery know, doesn't give a fuck. No. At least I, Craig is trying, but Connery doesn't give a flying fuck. And he wears a pink tie, which I'm not a big fan of. I did, I, I've always thought uh, Daniel Craig's wardrobe has been sensational, whoever the costume designer is across all five. And he's fucking rocked the role, Sheppy. I mean, he has nailed it in terms of the look and feel and keeping it relevant and making it feel cool. You want to, yeah. you know, that whole projection thing of, yeah, of course you want to be this guy who's cool as, you know. And But 
that I think it was around the Range Rover advert period, but he's got this really long Doctor Who type jacket, isn't he? At one no. point, did you notice that? This one, I thought no. it looked a bit flappy. Just a okay. little flappy for my liking. Too, ah. Right, too too showy and like, look at me, look at me, I'm Neo, uh, that sort of thing, which Bond yeah. doesn't need. You know? <laughs> yeah, okay, fair play. I didn't. Um, I haven't. You know, I mean, again, it's crazy how the delay between releasing it in Oz. It's a very, in oh, this man. day and age of like dodgy downloads, that must have cost them some money, surely. Do you know why it took such a long time? Well, Australia's been in lockdown, Shippy, up until literally a couple of weeks ago. Like Melbourne is the most locked down city in the world in terms of days wow. on full lockdown. And it's all over like one case or two cases or whatever. They'll have to shut a city down over here. It's pretty wild. Um, well, but probably luckily for us, do. they have now basically done a it was a whole we can eliminate covid thing and now they've realized they have to live with it and so they've gone with a big vax strategy and managed to really very quickly flip it when they're nearly i think they must be north of 80 percent double vax now in the country which means things will open up man which means we might be record one of these beauties in person uh, but would, be, would they <laughs> that would that's the dream yeah nice um, um but at a certain point, we'll just start doing sequels to our sequels. It'll be <laughs> be standing on more shoulders, pyramid of shoulders, standing the on the shoulders pyramid. of idiots, <laughs> <laughs> standing on the faces of cunts. <laughs> Works on every level. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Uh, Have we done like justice to no time to die I think for so. ourselves? I, I think, think so. so. I, yeah. I, Nice chat, Sunny. Nice chat. I like it. Yeah. yeah. It did factor uh, sure into the experience. Things. Oh, sorry, chefs. I was, I was just no, I'm, keep... sure, I'm sure there are more things that will pop to my mind, but nothing. Yeah. Else. Yeah. They, I, I think it factored into the viewing experience, that gap, knowing that someone like yourself had seen it and just waiting, waiting, waiting to do a debrief like this and like then going into the cinema, expecting it to be bad. But trying to actually say, Jimmy, this is a bloody Bond movie. The whole point is yeah. to try and wash over it, enjoy it, let it. And how yeah. how lovely to be watching a Bond film for the first time because it doesn't happen often. No, um, you're right. So, so that's exactly the mentality I remember having before Crystal Skull, actually, with you and all of that was the writing was on the wall there for ages, where it was like, oh no, this is going to be shit. But like right in, at the last second, I was like, "We're getting to see a new Indiana Jones film. We're going to see Indiana Jones do things and say things that you've never seen him do before. That's cause for some sort of celebration." And then it was like, "Oh no, that's a fucking female gopher. That's a shame. And what the fuck is Winstone up to?" But you know, the the, the thought was there, and it's a, it's a solid point in that ultimately. You know, yeah, it's a new, a new season of Doctor Who has just started, and it's absolute bullshit. But at the least, it's like, well, it's new, it's it's something else, and the end is in sight for this era. Um, T. Davis is coming back. Uh, Chris Chibnall is eating a dick, and everything should be right, or at the very least, different. And you can't say fairer than that. So, the same sort of thing. I will I say same vibes. I hear you, Shippy. I I feel that too. 
they have done things that are different for Bond, which is great. And that's probably the reason why I'm really annoyed about the death, because it would have been nice to think that Craig's Bond just percolated into the others as well a little bit, like mm -hmm. what he was capable of showing as a fully trained, proper actor, you know, mm. is really cool and meaty. And I'd love to think that, like, there was that facet to Roger's character. Do you know what I mean? Not that we need yeah. to see it ever, but I'm just saying, but, like, yeah. I just, that's that's the bit that makes me a bit sad, you know, but... That's... Yeah. Let's not forget about Rog, by the way, that, yes, he rightfully has the reputation for being the milkiest of all chocolates, but uh, there are moments where he's hardcore, not necessarily Dalton or Craig hardcore or Connery hardcore, but, but hardcore, and, and actually that's doing it a disservice there's like four Roger hardcore, but no, it is hardcore, like the few eyes only kicking the guy off the thing. But more than that, just like the scene in Octopussy where he's bollocking Stephen Burkhoff, he's really angry. And it's, you know, obviously the Roger Moore image is the eyebrow and, oh, how's it going? But there's a lot of like, who gives a flying fuck what you think? Stuff like that, which I really like. Oh, I was scared Calibos, sorry. I was just channeling <laughs> Octopussy. Um, he knows what he knows it, like he said in anger. So he, he's very clever, this book. He knows if he hears the F word, and it might be serious, especially if I do it like an octopus. So anyway, that, that's just something that I need to just say about, about Rog. You know, he can bring it. Um, so that's nice. There was one other thing I was about to mention, just in terms of everything, but it, it's, it's slipped away. But that's all right. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, so going forward, I have expectations. I have hopes. I have dreams for the future of the franchise. I don't think it's much to ask, but apparently I'm in the minority. I would like to see Bond where each film turns up in M's office. He gets given a mission. He goes and does the mission. That's the end of the film. That's what I want. We haven't had that. You could argue Casino Royale has that, but not really because it's all wrapped up in it being his first mission and M comes to Barbados or wherever and gives him the mission and then after that it's like okay now he's on a revenge thing and he sort of goes rogue in quantum and then it's 10 or 50 years later apparently and it's Skyfall and then he's like I'm back and then, the, then he leaves again he, he leaves he comes back he leaves, yeah. he leaves he leaves he's never Bond he never is just James Bond doing James Bond stuff ever. He's just always rogue, always quitting. Um, and I just want to see Bond like, where's 007? He's on an assignment, sir. Well, pull him out. He's like, and then he's like having sex up a tree. And then he has to go and report to M's office. And then he goes off. It's not too much to ask. It's not stale to do something where, you know, we just, you need to watch Daredevil, by the way, Jimmy. But I will say this about Daredevil. Um, we just finished watching it and it's great. But what I would like from it is just, it's a, I'll give you a better example. One that you can relate to more is Spider-Man with Holland. Is that I just want to see Peter Parker working for the Daily Bugle, getting told off by jo Jonah Jameson, taking photos, being Spider-Man, living with Aunt May or having Aunt May and living the life of Spider-Man that we've seen in the comics. 
And we just haven't had that film. The closest to that was Spider-Man 2, the Raimi, where it's just him living the Spider-Man existence. Um, it's always something else. And now apparently everyone knows that he's Spider-Man and Jonah Jameson has his own network thing, you know, like the Tom Holland Jonah Jameson. It's great the thing he's back, but he doesn't even have the hair. It's like, it's, you know, I just want to see the thing. You know, I I'm all for some version. And I think yeah. this film could have done with a bit of that, No Time to Die, because I think the mission just got very blurry. Safin's whole agenda, very blurry. It's quite handy yeah. to have that level of exposition because the writers just think they're cleverer than all that and they're not. Yeah. And they write themselves yeah. into these bloody cul-de-sacs of bonds related to him or not to him and blah, blah, blah. And she's got to be the only psych that can see Blofeld. Hang on a bloody minute. But anyway, yeah. like, me, it's <laughs> all that shit, all that self-contained yeah. shit. Like you're like, oh, yeah. dudes, just get over yourselves. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's some flair in there, sure. There's brilliant stuff. There's witty stuff. Great thoughts. But like you say, look, there's a structure and it's there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's nice. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with episodic storytelling when it's, you know, but it's also nice to have self-contained stuff following a fairly loose parameter. But, you know, it's like, a, 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 how about a series of Batman films where he's Bruce Wayne, he's Batman, there's Commissioner Gordon, there's the penguins on the loose. He goes and does it. He comes home. That's the end of the film. <laughs> Instead of just subversion, subversion, and just never actually having them doing their shit and just living their life that we've seen in the comics. And frankly, even Daredevil, because you could argue in film, like in the Marvel situation, each film has to be on a certain level and size. So it can't just be another day at the office. Daredevil doesn't even have that excuse because it is a TV show. And I would have just liked one season where he's a lawyer, Daredevil. <laughs> you know, that's all I want. <laughs> that's all I want. Uh, and so anyway, um, that's what I would like Bond. I would like him to be James Bond. I'd like him. Don't reintroduce him. Don't worry about his backstory. Don't give him another first mission. Just have it like it's man with a golden gun and it's like just another adventure Bond, ah, oh, 007, you know, he doesn't meet M for the first time. Doesn't meet Q for the first time. Doesn't meet money penny. He just knows them. It's his 2000th mission pop. You know, it doesn't have to be him saving the world. You know, it could be him retrieving an ATAC or, you know, something doing, you know? Yeah. I'm worried they might go even deeper. Bond begins, Sheppy. Go back to the Navy and stuff or wherever I'm they sure. want. Yeah. I... It's always a possibility, but you know, I'm a simple man. I have simple pleasures. And I just want James Bond to be James Bond. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> but on that bombshell, on that bond shell, um, on that blonde bond shell, Daniel Cray, there it is. We can um, we can wrap there. I think that's. Nice. I think so, Sheppy. I think we've been a bit picky because the franchise is so beloved, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I think he he can be proud. I think it's righteous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, picky is one word. I, uh, critical is another word, and I think both are justifiable. If something smells like shit and tastes like shit, then it's got some shit in there somewhere. <laughs> Never mind the peanuts. So. 
you know, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's unreasonable. Like I say, I'm not expecting every film to be five star, but it would be nice if they were like at the very strong threes and fours. And I think for something like Bond, it's it got a precedent and it's established a caliber and then it's not an unreasonable expectation. One thing that I was so glad, it wasn't even on my list, but I thought, shit, this is the moment I thought of you during the movie. I thought of you. <laughs> it had an internal LOL, which is uh, the view to a kill uh, little tribute there, Sheppy. In the kitchen, Bond is cooking for his daughter. <laughs> and he sort of just peels an apple and then gives it to her. Gives her the rhyme. and says, how is it? You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tastes a bit like apple, Dad. Yeah, he really milks it, steps back and crosses his little beefy arms, and he's like, So? What? He just fucking peeled an apple. <laughs> Best dad it's ever. delicious. What is it? An omelette. It's an apple. It's not, not, nothing like an omelette. Just like that quiche is nothing like an omelette. It's very strange. Well, there it's you go. Really strange. That's nice. Well, now you've convinced me No Time to Die is a five star film. Any <laughs> film that references. <laughs> it's like if if only they had that shoebox um, like spy dog with some view to a kill as well Amazing. then we would be absolutely sorted but maybe next time bring back the crocodile submarine bring back big track and then we're sorted <laughs> nice Sheppy is there a way to close this pod uh, shoulders of Giants will return in Shoulders of Giants. <laughs> this is the end of Shoulders of Giants. Shoulders of Giants will return in Shoulders of Giants. <laughs> <laughs> like that, man. We'll uh, cut there, Dan. You know the name. You know the number. Oh, God. I don't know. Going. Do we have a number? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the name's Giants. Shoulders of Giants. I like a martini. Shaken. Not shoulders of giant. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I need a coffee, Sheppy. I'm going to go get one of those. Um, nice. Stirred, not shaken, I, I would suggest with a coffee, probably. Um, oh, yeah, don't shake a coffee. It, that, it only ends in burn. Yeah, yeah. Stir, stir your coffee, Bond knobber. What are you doing? Shaking that all over the place. You're getting cappuccino foam all over the ceiling. Oh, Idiot. <laughs> Cappuccino Royale. Oh, no. oh god. Oh no, I'm happy with that. That's oh, okay. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.